So kids, John chapter 20, verse 24. Today we're going to talk about Thomas, one of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's very often called Doubting Thomas. In fact, maybe you've heard that phrase, don't be a Doubting Thomas. Well, that's where that comes from because Thomas doubted the resurrection of the Lord. Let me read this to you. John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So Jesus had appeared to his disciples, but Thomas was not present. And then when Thomas came, they said, Thomas, we saw the Lord. And Thomas, who was not there when Jesus came, said... Unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. In other words, Thomas said, unless I see, I will not believe. So it's easy to believe in things that we can see, right? And sometimes we believe in things that we see, but what we're seeing is not really true. Or it's, it's real, but it's not real. Do you understand what I mean? Like you can see something and it can appear to be real and you might think it's true, but just because you can see something doesn't make it true. And just because you cannot see something, that doesn't mean that something isn't true or something isn't real. Thomas said, unless I see, I will not believe. And many people today are like that. Well, I would believe in Jesus if I could see him. Or I would believe in Jesus if I could talk to him. Well, we can see Jesus and we can talk to Jesus. We do that by faith. We talk to him through prayer. We talk with him. We hear from him as we read his word. He lives in us by the Holy Spirit. But Thomas was saying, unless I physically see Jesus with my eyes and handle him and touch him and see the actual wounds from his crucifixion, he said, I won't believe. But the Bible calls us to believe in Jesus even though we have not seen him physically with our eyes. We're going to talk more about this today. But it's easy sometimes to believe in things that we can see. But very often the things that we can see deceive us. They may be real, but just because something is real doesn't make it true. God is true. Jesus is the truth. And though we cannot see Jesus yet physically with our eyes, the Bible tells us to see him by faith to trust him and to know him, therefore to see him through eyes of faith. In fact, the Bible teaches us that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, we can see a lot of things, but just because we can see things doesn't make them true, and it doesn't mean that we should put our life or trust our life with those things just because we can see them. We see people, all kinds of people. But that doesn't mean we should entrust our life to every person we can see. And though we cannot see Jesus physically, we are called to entrust our life to him. So children, God wants you to trust him. God wants you to believe in him. God wants you to trust your life with him even though you can't see him yet with your physical eye, but one day you will. Maybe it won't be until you go to see him. You may go to see him before he comes to see us. But whether you go there or he comes here, one day we will see him face to face. But until that day, we are called to believe in him. Jesus said to Thomas, do not be unbelieving, be believing. So we are called to be believing. Children, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? 
And you may not fully understand what that means, but believe in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Look for Jesus, not with your physical eyes, but in your heart and by faith. Amen? Father, I pray that you help all of us to have childlike faith. That you would teach us what it means to live by faith. To walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, you tell us in your word that we must become like little children. That we must have childlike faith. So, Father, I thank you for the faith of these children, and I pray that you would help us adults, that you would help us all have childlike faith as we look to you, as we see you through eyes of faith, as we trust you, as we live by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's read uh, the rest of this. I'm going to read to you from John chapter 20. I'm going to read verses 24 through 29. So it's said that seeing is believing. But believing is much more than seeing. There is, there is much that people see around them all the time. Creation is a very good example. People see the creation. They see the beauty of the creation. They see the miracle of the creation. But yet we somehow want to have faith that it all happened by accident. It all happened coincidentally through a big bang or a big series of events and all of this beauty and all of this diversity of life from amoebas to oak trees to human beings all came from this accidental happening in the cosmos billions and billions and billions of years ago. If that doesn't take faith, I don't know what does. Because not one of us here believes the chair you're sitting on happened by accident. Not one of you here believes this building just happened by accident. Not one of us believes these light bulbs that we're seeing by got screwed in or got produced by accident. No one believes the car you drove here today was evolved and produced coincidentally by accident. Now, we know somebody made it, somebody created it, somebody built it, but yet we look at the beauty of the creation, the miracle of the creation, and we want to say it all happened by accident. You tell me that doesn't take more faith to believe that than it does to believe in a creator. So seeing is not always believing. Believing is believing. John 20, beginning in verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Well, I think that includes all of us here today. If you Believe in Jesus. If you're trusting in Jesus, though you have not seen him physically, Jesus said you are blessed because you have believed, though you have not seen. Unless I see, 
Those were the words of Thomas, unless I see, I will not believe. Not just seeing with his eyes, but with his hands as well, touching and handling the Lord. That is the only way Thomas would believe. We're often in possession of the same sentiment, unless I see. We have all heard the old adage, seeing is believing, and yet that does not always hold true. If our trust is based on sight, we will eventually find ourselves in trouble in this world. If seeing is believing, we can soon find ourselves believing what we see instead of believing what is true. And there is a difference. There are a lot of things that we can see with our physical eyes that are not true. Consider the words of the apostle concerning death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verses 54 through 57, Paul writes, So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that we still see death does not negate the victory that has already been won by Jesus Christ, who conquered death. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Those were his own words about himself. And even though we still see death, by faith we know life has conquered death. The Bible is very clear. The prophet Habakkuk tells us that the just shall live by his faith. The apostle Paul reaffirms this in the famous line from his letter to the Romans. Romans chapter 1 verses 16 through 17. Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Seeing is not always believing. In fact, it could be just the opposite. Seeing could mean not believing, or seeing could mean believing those things that we see over those things that are actually true. To live by faith is to not live only by sight. Living by sight is contrary to living by faith. As the apostle writes, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are to walk by faith, not by sight. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's what the Bible commands us. To walk by faith is not walking through life with your eyes or your mind closed, as some people would suppose. Some people would say that living by faith, trusting in Jesus, living by the Bible, is living with your eyes closed and your mind closed. That's not what it means to walk by faith. It's not walking through life with your eyes closed or your mind closed. To walk by faith is to walk through life knowing that what we can see, though factual, is not necessarily always consistent with what is true. You do see the difference, right? The facts and the truth are not always the same thing. The facts are most often based on what we can see, while the truth can often be contrary to what is seen. A person can die, but that does not mean they are no longer alive. Those who die in Christ are very much alive, even though we see their physical body in death. If we only trust in what we see, we have to say they're dead. But to believe and to, to trust that they are not dead, but they are alive 
as the Bible teaches, which is why the Bible says we grieve, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope. Those who don't trust in Jesus, those who do not believe in the life that Jesus gives to us by grace through faith in his name, have no hope beyond death. I read an article that was just published by Yahoo News by a very hot current author who was once a professing Christian who is a theological professor at a seminary who's written a number of books basically teaching us why we should not depend on the Bible and why we should not trust in what the Bible teaches us. Now, it's like most people who think that they know everything, who want to disregard 2,000 plus years of history of people who have tried to tear down the Scripture. Did you know that the only, the only piece of literature in the world that has more actual evidence is Homer's Iliad? And it doesn't even come close to the manuscript evidence of the Bible. Yet, what this gentleman wrote was basically in his newest book was that Jesus and Socrates, they, they kind of were on the same page. Socrates didn't fear death. Jesus didn't fear death. Socrates believed, Socrates believed when you died, you just were dead. So what's the big deal? When it's over, it's over. Jesus believed when you died, there was a life after. So it doesn't really matter what you believe. If you believe one, fine. If you believe the other, fine. You're going to win both ways. Now, I don't know if this gentleman actually professes to be a Christian, but let me tell you, that's not Christianity. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach that it doesn't matter what we believe. If you believe one thing, you're going to be okay. If you believe the other thing, you're going to be okay. And there is no such thing as an afterlife involving torment or what we commonly call hell. So no worries. It doesn't really matter what you believe in this world, in this life. That's what the conventional wisdom of the world and even some people who I suppose profess to be Christian, but that's not Christianity. That's not what the scripture actually teaches us. And if you take out all the things that people want to say, well, you know, there are some things in the scripture that aren't exactly right. There are some things that got added a little bit later. We know that. Okay, that's fine. It doesn't change any truth of the Bible. It doesn't change any doctrine of the Bible. And even if you took that very small percentage of things out that maybe your King James Bible shouldn't have in it, or that word should be a different word, do you know that it actually changes nothing about what the Scripture teaches? It changes nothing about who God is. It changes nothing about who Jesus is. It changes nothing about the salvation that Jesus preached, that Paul preached, that the apostles preached, that Christians for thousands of years have preached. It changes nothing. Seeing is not believing and God has created the world in such a way. And God has given us a salvation that demands that we have faith. Paul writes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and for the Greek. For in it, in this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just, the righteous shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk through this world with our eyes wide open, with our minds wide open, with our hearts wide open for everything God has for us.
Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is why faith is ultimately not about what we see. Faith is about what we know to be true. I've seen many of my loved ones die. With my eyes, I saw them in death. But in my heart and in my faith, I know they are very much alive. Faith is not ultimately about what we see. It's about what we know. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Those were the words of Jesus, and they are still true today. Walk through life and see through eyes of faith. Don't just, don't just look at what you can see. Don't just consider what you see. Walk through life and look at the world through eyes of faith and see beyond what you can see. I can look out those doors and I can see all of your automobiles out there. Now, I can't see the person who made them, but by faith, I know somebody did. By faith, somebody made them. By faith, somebody drove them here. I can't see a driver in there, but by faith, I know there was a driver because it's here. Don't just live life based on what you can see with your physical eyes. Live life and go through this world looking through eyes of faith and see beyond what you can physically see and physically touch and physically know. There is much more to this world than what we can physically see. So Thomas is there now. Jesus had come the days before. Thomas is with the disciples. They're all gathered together. And the Bible says after eight days. The Lord, I want you to understand this. Thomas is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. Thomas was one of the original disciples, one of the original apostles of Jesus. He was with Jesus throughout his earthly ministry. And now Thomas has said, I will not believe unless I see. And after eight days, the Lord comes. The Lord did not consider it a crisis that Thomas had fallen into disbelief. I want you to understand this. Because very often we attempt to move heaven and earth when a loved one, a friend, or an acquaintance falls into disbelief. I'm not saying that we should not be concerned. We should be concerned. And out of that concern, we should pray and give witness as God would give opportunity. Certainly we should be concerned. But in Jesus, in faith, there is never a reason to panic. Because even though you may feel you are not in control, what faith tells us, what we're able to see by faith, even though we can't see it with our natural eyes, is that God is in control. The world has lost their minds due to this pandemic because they cannot see a way to control it. But as a believer, as a follower of Jesus... You need to take a deep breath and take a step back and say it doesn't matter whether I can control it. It doesn't matter whether the World Health Organization or the CDC or the White House or any other house can control it because they can't. What we need to do is realize God is the one who is in control. And we put our trust not in all of these other people and all these other entities, but we put our trust in God. We must always remember that we are not ultimately in charge of people's salvation. 
Salvation belongs to the Lord. We have a part and we should be faithful to do our part in making his salvation known to all in word and in deed. But we must remember that faith comes from God. Faith is a gift from God. Faith is not produced from our ability to talk someone into believing. Don't ever believe, don't ever deceive yourself into thinking that you have the ability of talking someone into faith. Because even if you can get a confession of faith out of them, if they did it because you talked them into it, then it's not real. Because just as easily as they were talked into faith, they can be talked out of faith. Today you believe, but then you read a book from some critic who professes to be a Christian, and then you don't believe anymore. And you start thinking about all the unanswered questions, and all the unanswered prayers, and all the unknowns, instead of trusting in spite of all of those unknowns. Faith never requires that we turn our brain off. God gave you a brain for a reason. God gave you an intellect to use it. And faith and intellect and faith in your brain and faith in thinking and reasoning and logic are not mutually exclusive things. God created all of those things, gifted us with all of those things to use all of those things in our faith. Faith is a gift from God. Faith is not produced from our ability to talk someone into believing. This in no way means that we do nothing. On the contrary, we have been given the commission to give witness to Christ and his gospel. We are to make disciples, not mere converts who can parrot a prayer or give lip service to God. After eight days, when Jesus knew Thomas was present, he manifest in their midst. I don't think it's coincidental that eight is the number of days. Eight in the Bible is the number of new beginnings. And Jesus came to give Thomas a new beginning. Thomas was about to experience a new beginning in his faith in Jesus. Jesus is not interested in simply talking Thomas back into believing. Jesus is looking at the big picture. Jesus is playing the long game here. Jesus always plays the long game. Now, we're guilty of not doing that. We play the short game. We live for the moment. We live in the moment. We want instant gratification, but what God has really called us to is to live life with the big picture in mind. It's to live life, yes, today, yes, for today, but always mindful that there is a tomorrow, God willing. Now, I don't know if there will be tomorrow, but, but I'm, I'm trusting there will be. My faith is that there will be a tomorrow. And every time I plant a tree, my faith is that the world is going to be here long enough for this tree to grow up to maturity long after I'm gone. And if Jesus should come back before then, guess what? The tree will still be there because the earth will still be here. And we will live on the earth with the Lord So we're called to walk through life with eyes of faith, with the gift that God has given to us. Jesus is coming to Thomas, not to talk him back into believing, but to make the disciple that Jesus knows Thomas will be. Jesus does not simply want Thomas to be one of his converts. He wants a disciple who loves God with all of his heart, with all of his mind, with all of his soul, and with all of his strength. Jesus is making a disciple that is willing to lay down his life for God and for the gospel and for his brothers. 
And we know that Thomas was required to lay down his life just like all of the other apostles were, save the apostle John. He's the only one that we know of that died of old age. All the rest were martyred. In fact, many, if not most, of the early disciples of Jesus were martyred for their faith. Convincing someone to believe in Jesus or to try Jesus is not what we're called to do. We're called to be disciples who demonstrate true faith, real trust in the Lord Jesus. Disciples who take seriously his commands and live fully in his joy. See, being a disciple is not grudgingly carrying out God's commandments. Being a disciple is joyously living and loving God. There is no quick or easy way to fulfill the command to go and to make disciples. It demands a life of commitment to Christ. It demands patience and long-suffering. It demands that we bear with the frailties of human nature that cause men to vacillate between faith and unbelief. We see this in Thomas, doubting Thomas. We're going to see this again next week when we look at Peter. And Jesus, in this account, Jesus is now coming to Thomas, who doubted his resurrection. Next week, we're going to see how Jesus comes to Peter, who thought that he was beyond redemption because of his rejection of Jesus. There is no one beyond redemption. There is no one so far removed from God that they cannot be saved because we were all so far removed from God before God saved us that we had no hope. This is exactly what it means when the Bible says God made a way where there was no way. There was no way for you or for me to be saved until God made the way. Jesus demonstrates that this is not about a quick, easy fix. Jesus knew that Thomas, as well as every other disciple, would have to come to grips with his or her own unbelief, their own doubts and fears and insecurities. This is what faith demands. Faith is not believing what is easy or obvious. Faith is believing in spite of the difficulty and the obvious. Faith is not having all of our questions answered. Faith is trusting God with all of our unanswered questions, as well as our seemingly unanswered prayers. We may not always have all the answers we seek, but we must come to realize that Jesus is the answer that we all need. Jesus could have shown up the very moment Thomas voiced his unbelief, but Jesus waited eight days. I want you to know that God is never late. I want you to know he's also never early. He is always right on time. Faith waits, and faith trusts eight days, eight weeks, eight months, or eight years. It does not matter. God's time is always the right time. Trust him. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Not in his time, in its time. Whatever it is you're trusting God for, it has a time when God will make it beautiful. Ecclesiastes 3.11 he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. That is true as any other statement in the Bible. We don't want it to be true. We want to find out 
what God is doing. We want to know what God is doing. We want God to tell us. We want God to show us exactly what he's doing. Yet here again, the scripture reminds us that God does not always inform us of the work that he is doing from beginning to end. We're midpoint in God's work. I don't know where we are in the midst of it, but we're not at the beginning and we're not at the end. We're somewhere in between. And whatever God is doing in your life, in your story, which is his story, is part of God's work from beginning to end. We all play a part. We're all a link in this work, this greater work that God is doing. We're just... Part of the thread on the tapestry that God is weaving. That God has promised we will see the beauty of one day. Even though we can't know it and we can't see it now. Faith is not finding out and knowing the work that God does from beginning to end. Faith is trusting in the God doing the work. Faith is trusting God even as the work remains unknown to us. After eight days, Jesus came to Thomas to give him a new beginning. For us, each and every day starts with a new sunrise. Each and every day, we are reminded that his mercies are new every morning. Each and every day, we are to live with the knowledge of the truth that in Jesus, we have been given an eternal new beginning that never grows old. This is true, not because we can always see it, but because it is. In Jesus, we have been given a new beginning. Believe it and live it to his glory. Walk by faith, not by sight. Trust him. And Jesus comes to Thomas and he says, Okay, Thomas, here I am. Reach out your hand and touch me. Touch the nail print in my hands. Touch the wounds in my side. See me and handle me and know that I am the resurrected Christ. Do not be unbelieving. Be believing. This is what God commanded Thomas. After eight days of Thomas wrestling with the reports of Jesus' resurrection and his own belief and unbelief, Jesus comes to his disciples. Jesus knew this time Thomas was present with them. He came for Thomas. He did not leave Thomas in his unbelief. Guess what? Jesus came for you and he came for me. He did not leave us in our unbelief. And for those who are yet still in their unbelief, trust that Jesus will come for them just like he came for Thomas, just like he came for you, especially if they are your loved one, if they are your family, if they are your children. God has made promises to families and to households. We're not saved because we're born into a family or born into a household. We're saved because Jesus saves us. But there is a reason why Jesus gives promises. God gives promises to families, to parents of children who are in unbelief. This is why the Bible says, raise up your children in the way that they shall go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. But should they depart then trust God, believe God, that he will come for them just like he came for Thomas. Jesus miraculously manifests in their midst. He once again declares peace to you. Then he commands Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side and Thomas obeyed and it and Thomas knew that it was the resurrected Christ that was before him and Jesus commands Thomas do not be unbelieving be believing this is the same command that Jesus 
is giving to us today. It is not enough to not be unbelieving. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are to be believing. The rejection of unbelief is not the same as the embrace of belief. To claim that you are not unbelieving is not the same as claiming that you believe. I have a friend who says, well, I'm not saying that I don't believe. But at the very same time, he's saying, I don't believe. I'm not saying I don't believe in anything, but, but Jesus brings us much more focused here. Jesus is not saying, well, you just have to have some, you know, general belief in some higher power. No, that's not what the scripture teaches. Some general belief in a higher power is not going to get you to heaven. Trusting in a higher power is not going to save you. Trusting in Jesus will save you and nothing else will. To claim that you are not unbelieving is not the same as claiming you believe. To be believing is to have faith and trust in Christ. The command is do not be unbelieving but believing. We are commanded to believe. The command is not to believe in a God but to believe God. And what has God commanded us? Believe in my son. Trust in my son. Look to my son. God doesn't just even say, look to me. God says, no, look to my son. My son has saved you. Trust in him. And when you trust in him, then you will truly trust in me. This is why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. To believe in the Son is to believe in the Father. To know the Son is to know the Father. And if you profess to know the Father, then you must know the Son. We are commanded to believe, to trust, and to obey. Trust and obedience are what it means to believe. We are commanded to trust and obey the God and Savior who, com who created and redeemed us for himself. Thomas believed in a God that was not, that was not the issue. Thomas was not a pagan, an unbelieving atheist, as we would classify it today. Thomas believed in God. That wasn't the issue. The issue was his trust in Jesus, his trust in the resurrected Christ. He knew who Jesus claimed to be, but Jesus was crucified and Thomas saw him die. And he would now not believe until he saw him live again. And Jesus comes to Thomas and Thomas sees Jesus with his eyes and touches him with his hands. And Thomas hears the command of Jesus, do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas obeys Thomas obeyed Jesus. He fell at the feet of Jesus and he worshiped him. And he cried out to him, my Lord and my God. In this moment of worship, Thomas is acknowledging who Jesus truly is. He is Lord and he is God. He is no less. He is worthy of all worship and all allegiance. He truly is our Lord and our God. And Jesus says this. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus revealed himself to Thomas. He saw and believed and Jesus acknowledged the faith of Thomas. Then Jesus declares, blessed all of those who have not seen and yet have believed. That is all of us today who are in faith, who are trusting in Jesus. We have not physically seen Jesus, yet we believe.
Jesus has declared a blessing on all who have not seen and yet have believed. And if you are trusting Christ today, you are blessed. In fact, you are blessed beyond your ability to understand the magnitude of that blessing. It is not with natural sight that we are to see Jesus. It is by faith. By faith, we see Jesus, and by faith, we are to walk through this world looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We are to know that we are blessed in our believing. Hebrews 11.6, the writer of Hebrews pins these words, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance and the evidence of things not seen with our natural sight, but seen and known through faith. Blessed are those who have not seen with natural sight and yet have believed by seeing through eyes of faith. This is what Jesus commanded Thomas. This is what Jesus is commanding us today. We must be believing. We must trust him. We must obey him. God has made it such that we must do this by faith. We cannot always trust our natural sight. We must learn to walk by faith and not by sight. We must learn to trust the God who has made everything beautiful in its time. Even when we cannot see the beauty of it yet. The God who has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. This is the God we must learn to trust as we walk by faith. This is the God who is pleased, not because we are perfect, because we are not. Not because we are good, because we are not. Not because we get most things right, because we do not. This is the God who is pleased with our faith. The faith he gifted to us and causes to grow in us by grace. Blessed are you who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are you who walk by faith and not by sight. Blessed are you righteous who live by faith and obey by faith. Blessed are you who trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. And this same Lord and this same God died for us and has made a way for us to come into his presence, to sit with him, to sup with him, to dine with him. And each week we come to the table of the Lord and we proclaim his death and we proclaim his life. And we remind ourselves and we renew ourselves in the covenant he established in his blood poured out for us that we would be saved. As you trust in Jesus, not just in a higher power, not just in a God who might or might not be there, but as you trust in Jesus, the only name under heaven by which men may be saved, as you trust in Jesus, come to this table, proclaim his death, and celebrate his life. Church, Christian, welcome to Jesus. Let's all stand. Here's your charge today. We're charged by God to live by faith, to have faith, to believe, to trust, and to obey. We are charged to walk by faith and not by sight. Disciples live by faith. Remember, Jesus did not come to Thomas to make a convert. He came to Thomas to make a disciple. Discipleship is more than studying the Bible with someone. It will involve that, 
even if both of you are learning together, but, but it is so much more. Discipleship's not just a Bible study class or a discipleship class you get a certificate for and then you say, now I'm a disciple of Jesus. Discipleship is life. It's walking with someone. If it's your child, discipleship is helping them learn algebra or history or English and teaching them all the while that Jesus is at the center of those and of all things. Discipleship is helping someone navigate life when they're finding it difficult. It may be as deep as walking with them through their greatest moment of challenge, or it may be as simple as sitting down together and thanking God for the daily bread you are about to enjoy. Discipleship is life together. It is never life apart. It is the give and take the ups and downs, the victories and the failures, the joys and the sorrows, with Jesus at the center of all. Discipleship is teaching and learning together in life, in all of life. Discipleship is knowing that Christ is our life. It's growing in the knowledge and understanding that there is life in no other and in nothing apart from him. Discipleship is embracing the truth as it is in Jesus. Not just the truth as the world defines it. Not just in the relative truth of this person or that person or that other person. It is the truth as it is in Jesus. With the fullness of joy that comes only with knowing him and being known by him. This is what it means to be believing. The command of Jesus was do not be unbelieving, be believing. This is what it means to be believing. This is faith. This is trust. And this is obedience. Christian, as God commands us, live by your faith. Do not be unbelieving, be believing. Amen? And again, to all of you here and to all of you watching online, happy Mother's Day. I pray you have a wonderful afternoon celebrating and honoring your mothers, whether she is here with you or whether she is in heaven as mine is. I pray that we will take a moment and reflect on all that we have to be thankful for from God, mothers not being in any way, shape, or form, the least of those reasons to be thankful.